welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, everybody. Good to be with you again. We're on week two of our series, The Way of the Cross. Very fitting after the way of the king, hey? the way of the king, and then taking us, pointing us towards Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, this journey of Jesus towards making all things new. And um, I just want to start just talking about, we'll go to the, the next slide, what does the cross have to do with breakfast, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. <laughs> I'm really enjoying Life in the UK, I've been here seven months now. I particularly enjoy English breakfast. We like the English breakfast. Not so sure about blood sausage. Just not, not quite getting that. Loving the breakfast, and uh, I think what's really interesting about English breakfast is its different components and the contribution, the various contributors to English breakfast. Um, <laughs> The chickens made a contribution, yes, right? The pig was all in. <laughs> the pig was all in. They were really committed to breakfast. <laughs> Could I even say that the pig was deeply surrendered <laughs> towards you having a breakfast? Let me, let me just ask you for a moment, whilst you are gazing the beauty of English breakfast, what's the hardest thing that God's asked you to do? What's the hardest thing he's asked you to do? What's that, that thing that he's given you, that invitation that has come from God, where he says, are you all in? I put that question out on Facebook, as one does, and I got lots of responses, really interesting responses. One person said, the hardest thing was for me to speak up when it was easier or safer to be silent. Another person said, the hardest thing he asked me to do was really trust him for my finances, for, for provision. <clears throat> Another person, actually a number of people said, the hardest thing that God's asked me to do is to forgive people who've hurt me. It was one that was really heart-wrenching. So the hardest thing that God asked me to do the hardest invitation was when I got divorced to leave my children with my spouse. <laughs> the hardest thing. Another person said to leave a completely different lifestyle and priorities. The hardest thing is to leave my whole life as I understood it to follow the way of Jesus. The hardest thing he's asked me to do. And those were the only the things that went on my public newsfeed behind the scenes. In private messaging, people sent me the most beautiful and heart-wrenching stories that I can't share here, but, but really tender, challenging, difficult things where God has asked them to do the hard thing. It got me reflecting for myself, what's, what's one of the hardest things that God asked me to do? And, and I thought back, and I've, I've got a couple, but the first one that came to mind was the hardest thing he asked me to do was to start a house of prayer back in Canada. 18 years ago, before houses of prayer were a thing, before there was really, this was before 24-7, so like, what's a prayer movement? People didn't know 
right? And I was called to lead this house of prayer in Canada, and there was a big excitement at the beginning, and everybody wanted to learn the new thing. But startups are hard. Anybody ever done a startup? Business startup? Starting a new family? Starting a second family? Startups are hard. And I remember a moment, two years in, I was in an empty prayer room, because an empty prayer room, <laughs> an empty house of prayer, and I was broke. I was misunderstood. I'd been, like, there has been so much challenge and conflict around leadership. My husband and I were barely speaking to each other. It was just brutal. It was so, everything that could go wrong went wrong. And I was standing in a prayer room, an empty prayer room, by myself. Going, this is the hardest thing you've asked me to do. And I had a moment there in that empty prayer room when I didn't even have any words to pray anymore. Because it was just so, just, it was it had been so difficult. I thought, you know what? If I continue to be poor, if I continue to be obscure and misunderstood and maligned, if I continue to be embroiled in conflict, if I continue to be alone in a prayer room, you're still worthy. Ultimately, you're still worthy. I surrender to you. What's the hardest thing he's asked you to do? We had some, hard, we had some moments of surrender a couple weeks ago. One of your crazy pastors did an altar call around pornography, right? People responding to an altar call on pornography. That's the hardest. That's so much courage. So much courage. And, and slightly less courage. Uh, this Wednesday, we had great um, prophetic, prophetic evening with, with Chris Westhoff at Founders. And there's this prophetic stuff around prophetic singers. We love the prophetic singers. And then Pete again. He's the one who gets us in trouble. You know that, right? He said, well, you know what? We should just activate you, right? Don't just say, I received the gift of prophetic song. Try it. And so these, these prophetic singers, they would, you know, they just, with fear and trembling, stood up at the front and sang their songs over us. And I, I got some of the back-end chatter on social media, and I'm like, I thought I was going to throw up. Like, it was just so scary. It was the hardest thing. <laughs> What's the hardest thing he's asked you to do? And how do we trust him when his invitations take us on a lower path, on a, on a pathway of descent rather than a pathway of ascent, rather than the pathway of bigger, better, faster? stronger. One of the hardest thing is when he asks us to do the impossible things, or when he asks us to face unsolvable problems and to make inconceivable sacrifices, when he asks us to surrender. Are we all in? Am I all in? And most of us, certainly me, I know me, I can't speak for you, I can speak for me, I have that moment when God passes me the invitation in the form of a cup. When he passed the invitation to Jesus, Jesus called it a cup. He gives you the invitation. And my human response is, oh, can this cup pass the... Here I am, Lord, send somebody else, right? Can this cup pass from me? Let's go to the next slide. It's a human moment. This is a beautiful statue of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's struggling. Jesus was fully God. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. 
Jesus was fully man. Everybody say hallelujah. We see here in the garden, in this moment in the garden, a beautiful picture, a little window into the humanity of Jesus. He knows what's coming. He knows what the next few hours are going to bring. He knows it because he knows the scripture. And he's been speaking it to his disciples again and again. Tear down this body. I will rebuild it in three days. We know that the Messiah is going to suffer and die and be buried and raised again. So he knows that. He understands from the scripture what the next few hours and days are going to look like. And he knows out of his own communion with the Father, there's an invitation from the Father. <laughs> but he has a, a human moment, a deeply human moment. And he says, Father, let's go to the next slide. Can this cup pass? Can this cup pass from me? And I guess for me, I, I like to wonder and ask questions. And my question was, how did he do that? How did, he, how did he get from, I'm, I'm sweating blood, actually. I'm in so much travail and, and pain and sorrow. So the next slide. May you will be done. How did he get there? How did he get from here to there? How did he surrender? How on earth did he get to the place where he was all in? We think of different things when we think of surrender. Next slide. Sometimes when we think of surrender, we're, we're surrounded by a superior force. We've been backed into a corner, and there seems to be no way of escape. I'm defending my own little piece of turf. Anybody been there? Can relate to that? <laughs> Next slide. Sometimes surrender looks like, or we think surrender looks like, we've been wrestled to the ground. Right, Jacob wrestling angel, we wrestle to the ground in life or situations or God has us in a headlock and we're going to go, are you going to say uncle? Is that what you say here in Canada? We, we cry uncle. No, you don't. Like, like I give up. Yeah. Whatever, I give up. <laughs> Next slide. Sometimes we think surrender, we're just spent. We're just done. Surrender is a struggle. And sometimes, if we're honest, if I'm honest, I want to change some of the words to the worship songs. Anybody ever want to do that? You want to change the words to the worship songs? I surrender some. <laughs> Take my life and let me be. Right? Let me be. Or this one. Spirit of the living God, fall somewhere else. <laughs> C.S. Lewis says this, the terrible thing, the almost impossible thing, is to hand over your whole self, all of your wishes and all of your precautions to Christ. The terrible thing, almost impossible. So why is surrender so deeply good? And why is it so deeply difficult? I think ultimately we're all conflicted. Anybody besides me conflicted? We're conflicted. <laughs> and uh, let's go to the, the next slide. To be human, no man is an island. No woman is an island. You know that, right? John O'Donoghue says nothing in creation is ever totally at home in itself. 
No thing is ultimately at one with itself. We were created for connection. Next slide. We were created for connection. We were created for unity. We were created for family. We are made in the image of God who is Trinity, which means God is in constant communion with God. So we are created for communion and connection. And not only are we created for communion and connection, we are created uh, for the bigger story, the next slide, the, the bigger picture, the, the bigger vision. I hope you all come next week, Vision Sunday. We're going we're gonna to see where we're, we're, we're launching into the bigger story and the bigger picture. With us created, connected together as a community. Look out on the land and see what God is doing and go, I'm in. That's an opportunity that we have next week. So we're created for community. We are created for vision. We are created to be part of a story, an epic journey, an epic adventure that is beyond our own little lives. I love, um, there's an author called David Benner, written a beautiful little book called Surrender to Love. He says this, far from being a sign of weakness, only surrender to something or someone bigger than us only surrender is sufficiently strong to free us from our own prison of egocentricity. Only surrender is powerful enough to overcome our isolation and our alienation. It's surrender that gives us a life and relationships beyond ourselves. I want to be all in. I want to be all in to connection and community. I want to be all in to being part of the bigger story, but it's hard. Anybody find surrender hard? It's difficult. I'm just going to quickly blow through, just quickly share five things that make surrender difficult for us and problematic, and then I'm going to land on the sixth one, which is the biggie, but we'll, I'll just quickly go through five and we'll hit the six. Number one, surrender is difficult because we are addicted to our own autonomy. I want to do what I want to do, and when I do it, how I want to do it. Everything in our culture feeds that addiction to our own autonomy, and it's reinforced a million times every day. We're prisoners of our own autonomy. <laughs> Number two, we live in a culture of entitlement. God, you want me to give you what? Oh, no, 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 God, that's mine. I earned that. I deserve that. You want me to give it away? a culture of entitlement. God, you want me to let, oh, <laughs> yeah, I have the stories I could tell. God, you want me to, to bring that person in my car? Because I know I saw bed bugs on their clothes. Are you sure? God, you want me to give generously of my finances? Not just, not just sort of what's convenient for me to give, but sacrificially? Really? You want me to open up my home to people I don't know? It's my house, right? I earned it. My home is my castle. I deserve it. It's a culture of entitlement. Number three, it's our false images of God that get in the way of being able to surrender. We think God is mad. He's a distant, disapproving parent that somehow we've got to placate. If we do good, he's not going to tell us. Maybe he's not going to even talk to us at all. <coughs> We've got these understandings, these images of God that we've inherited, some of us, from our families of origin, 
Some of us from experience in Christian community that's been less than ideal. Some of it just from disappointments in life. And we recreate God in the image of our disappointments. And we don't want to trust him. We can't trust him. We can't surrender. Number four. It's hard to surrender because we're victims of bad theology. We're victims of bad theology. We do not have a robust theology of suffering. We confuse. I don't know what the British equivalent is, but in North America, they call it the American dream. We confuse the American dream with the kingdom of God. And we think that following Jesus is the way of ascent instead of the way of descent. We're victims of bad theology. We suffer, and so I can't surrender to God because I've suffered. Jesus said, in this world you will have Trouble. He said, in this world you'll have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. We need to develop a theology that embraces the lower path, the path of descent, and makes room for suffering. And then it's easier to surrender. Number five, it's difficult to surrender because it's hard to see the, the big picture. Philip Yancey says this, no matter how we rationalize, God will sometimes seem unfair to the person who is trapped in time. Not until history has run its course will we understand how all things work together for good. Get this, he says, faith means believing in advance what only makes sense in reverse. Faith is believing in advance what only makes sense in reverse. But here's the biggie. Let's go to the next slide. The biggest impediment to surrender is fear. Can I get an amen? It comes down to fear. C.S. Lewis says, we're not doubting that God will do the best for us. We're wondering how painful God's best will be. And we surrender to fear in a million and one ways. Maybe you're aware of fear and anxiety in your life. Just so you're aware, when I'm driving here from Woking to preach on this platform, my little heart is like, <laughs> you know, I just, I'm nervous. I'm nervous when I come to this place. I got a little bit of fear. Some of us are aware of how fear plays into our life and affects our lives. Some of us maybe have not so much fear like just staring us in the face like that, but maybe we've got this, this low-level little underground river of anxiety that flows through our lives. You think, ah, I don't think I'm a fearful person. <laughs> I don't think I'm all that fearful. Let's go to the next slide. Let's do a diagnostic, all right? You ready? You know you're a fearful person when... Number one, we're fearful when we live within restrictive boundaries. I'm a cautious person. I'm just, I'm just cautious. I just kind of live conservatively. <laughs> I'm a fearful person when I narrow my life, when I make my life smaller through avoidance. So for me, that means avoiding conflict. Anybody here love conflict? 
I make my life smaller because I'm scared of making people mad. Or sometimes we narrow our life through compulsions. I'm afraid, so I'm just going to have another donut or go have a cigarette or watch another season of Breaking Bad or whatever the, you know, whatever the show of the week is. I narrow my life through avoidance and compulsion. I'm highly vigilant. I'm always watching. i got to stay in the comfort zone. i got to stay in control of myself. Right? i got to be in control of myself. I gotta be in control of my environment. I gotta be in control of my world. I gotta be in control of you all. That's fear. What are we afraid of? We're afraid of intimacy. I'll tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of intimacy. And I'm afraid of solitude and loss of control and loss of image. I'm afraid of how strong my feelings are. I'm afraid that sometimes I don't feel anything at all. I'm afraid of my longings and my desires. I'm afraid of my sexuality. I'm afraid of criticism. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of not having enough. I'm afraid of having too much and not knowing what to do with the too much. I'm afraid of, of, of having attention. I'm afraid of not having any attention. I'm afraid of neglect. I'm afraid of life. I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid of pleasure. I'm afraid of pain. I'm afraid of loss of love. I'm afraid of love itself. Did I leave anybody out? <laughs> Here's the good news. You ready for the good news? <laughs> Pete's ready for the good news. Perfect love casts out fear. Say that with me. Perfect love casts out fear. Turn to the person beside them and say, perfect love casts out fear. <laughs> so what if surrendering to God is not so much like being surrounded by a superior force and being backed into a corner with no way of escape and defending my own little piece of turf? What if surrender is not so much like being wrestled to the ground, saying, I'm done, I'm in. What a surrender isn't just flopping to the ground, just spent. Next slide. What a surrender is more like the way a husband and wife might surrender themselves to one another. What a surrender is more like a child, a, a little child, just unhesitatingly leaning, snuggling into the bosom of their father. What a surrender is more like. What would it look like if we surrendered to love? And not just any love. You know, sometimes as a Christian leader, people are like, oh, Jill, I'll just follow you. I'll just, I gotta trust myself to you, Jill. I gotta trust myself to your leadership. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I am human. I have faults. I have failings. Trust yourself to God. Don't surrender to me. Surrender yourself to him. All kinds of horrible stuff happens when we surrender to a love that is less than God's love. Surrendering to God's love gives us these possibilities. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from the effort to earn his approval. And freedom to genuinely love God and love others promise that comes with that kind of surrender. 
I just want to talk for a minute or two about obedience and surrender. Let's go to the next slide, obedience. Again, C.S. Lewis, I like C.S. Lewis. He says, there are only two kinds of people, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, all right, then have it your own way. <laughs> two kinds of people. Obedience is not the same as surrender, because you can obey without giving yourself away. You can obey out of compliance. You can obey because you're trying to placate somebody. You can obey because just, um, yeah, we can obey out of the wrong reasons. Guilt. Okay, I better do it, right? Because I feel bad because I don't do it. Obey because of appeasement. I'm actually, I can obey just to show my willpower. Look at that. I was obedient. Obedience can look like that. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. And, and, and here's the challenge that comes with, with obedience without surrender. Obedience without surrender, we can then default into the minimum compliance required to get whatever output we're hoping for. So like, what's the least amount of myself that I can give you and still be okay? Still be in your good books. What, and here, I'm going to tell on myself again. So don't put your hand up. But how many of you, for me, I, you know, offering time rolls around. And, and this doesn't happen anymore because I now have a standing order like they told me to. <laughs> anyway, so I, you know, I don't have the offering plate going around and, and, and open up my wallet anymore because I give online. But how many times has that offering plate come by? I've opened up my wallet and I've looked for the smallest bill in it. Anybody? I mean, I've done that. Like, what's the minimum? What's the minimum that I can do? Because if I do that, if I merely start, sort of obey, then the kingdom of self remains intact. I can still remain in control. I can still be willful and live an unchallenged life. And God is looking not for behavioral compliance. He is not into behavior modification. This is the issue, when we went back to my last talk about Jesus' issue with the Pharisees. Right? They were ticking the boxes. And he's like, but where's your heart? Where's your heart? You have available to you transformation from the inside out, and you're going to do just externals? Who wants your heart? That's what he's after. He wants our love. He wants our friendship, not just right behavior. It's not enough to do the right thing. He wants us motivated out of love. And he wants us to give control. Here's an easy way to remember it. Number one, the question of a servant. Everybody say servant. The question of the servant is this. Tell me what to do. God, tell me what to do. Right? I work with young people. They're like, just, I just want God to tell me what to do. Right? That's the question of a servant. Not a bad question. Right? Tell me what to do. Here's a better question. Question of a lover. God, what would please you today? How can I give myself to you today? How can I give myself to you today? Surrendering to love is like floating on a river. Let's do the next slide. I love swimming. 
Swimming's great. Swimming's fun. I love floating. There's nothing like it, especially if you're outside. You just kind of lean back, and the water holds you. And interestingly enough, when you look at the sort of the English background for the word surrender, it's actually letting something else bear your weight. So it's surrendering to love. It's surrendering to God, like leaning back on the river of his love and floating. And I, I, here's what happens, though. We float, and then we want to look up to see where the river's going. Or we want to look up to make sure there's no sharks in the river or, or whatever. You know, it's just hard to just lie there and float. <laughs> We thrash about. That's the invitation is to, to receive his love, to float in his river, to let go. 1 John 4, 18-19. Here's what he says. This is John who identified himself in the Gospels as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He says there's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And we love because he first loved us. So if you're not sure that God loves you, let's go back to that moment in the garden, shall we? If you're not sure that he does God. so loved the world. He gave his son. Jesus loved you so much. Even in the midst of his humanity, in the midst of that moment in the garden, he's wrestling with Father. He knows that the way forward, the way for your salvation, your redemption, and the restoration of all things being made new is him saying yes to God's invitation to take the downward path. For the, in the scriptures, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. It's you guys. If you don't know that Jesus loves you, remember the garden. Remember the cross. Remember that his love can cast out all of you. The psalmist says, he delivered me, he delivered me. From all of my fear, he rescued me because he delights in me. Those who try and save their lives will lose it, the scripture says. Those who hang on, <laughs> but those who lose their lives will save it. We need to let go. We need to stop hanging on so tight. I was watching YouTube animal videos last night. Anybody else watch YouTube animal videos? Let's go to the next slide. Oh, next one, actually. There we go. So there was this. <coughs> so this is a Jill paraphrase version of those who lose their lives will find it. The Jill paraphrase version is let go of the banana. Because here's how they catch monkeys. Um, we watched it in a video. So if you want to catch a monkey, you, uh, you carve a hole, either in the video we watched last night was an anthill, 
or a coconut or some kind of jar, a small hole, you stick a treat in it like some fruit or a banana. Monkeys are curious. They know there's something good going on. So they go up to that thing, they stick their hand in, they grab it, whatever the treasure is, and they won't let go. They won't let go. And I was watching a video last night, this baboon was like thriving, just thrashing about, and it's like he's screaming, and, but he didn't let go. He didn't let go. <laughs> and they caught him. What are you hanging on to? What are you hanging on to? What are you afraid of? Can we let go of the banana? Turn to somebody beside you say, let go of the banana. <laughs> let go of the banana. I know that's going to be the only thing you remember. That's all right. Let go of the banana. God delivered you from all your fears. He's delivering, he's delivering you today. He's going to deliver you right now. Right now. He'll rescue you because he delights in you. Maybe we can get the worship team come up again. I want us all to stand. We're just going to do something together here. You can participate in it as much as you want. It's completely optional. But I invite you to step into what could be a transformational moment for you. You can put your hands out in front of you, kind of like this. Not kind of low-ish, not high-low. What's the hardest thing God's asked you to do? What's the hardest thing that He's asked you to do? What's the thing that you can't let go of? Think about it for a minute. Just picture it in your hand. Now I want you, I want us all, at the same time, out loud, at the same time, I want you to start thanking God for all the ways he's demonstrated his love to you. I want you to remind yourself of how much he loves you. Let's just do it out loud. Just start praying. God, thank you. Thank you for your love. Lord, I thank you. You put the lonely in families, God. Lord, we thank you. Just, just out loud, you guys, just tell him, just thank him. Just remind yourself of his love.
if I was Bill, I would say some of you are feelers. And maybe you're even experiencing something, you're experiencing in your body the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're feeling his love, his affection. If you're not a feeler, if you're a thinker, maybe God's reminding you of times that he's been good to you. Aspects of his nature scriptures and talk about who he is. Let's just take a minute or two and receive this. Let's receive the love of God. Let's just say yes. I receive your love. Right now. I receive your love. I receive your love. I receive your give myself to you fully and free. 